This is Zephan Moses Blacksburg, and you're listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. 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 Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for joining us in this new year, 2016. What a great time. And we're going to kick off the year with a great friend of mine who is doing some big things. He's done some big things in 2015 and before, but I have a feeling 2016 is going to be huge for him. But let me go ahead and introduce him. He's Zephan Moses Blacksburg, the host of the Year of Purpose podcast where he interviews motivators and inspirational humans from all over the world who are living life on their own terms. Zephan has held every job in the book from pastry chef to working at the Apple Store Genius Bar. He even founded a highly successful video production company, landing him opportunities in the White House and on set for a Netflix original series. His videos can be seen in football stadiums and on major TV stations across the U.S., After realizing that there was more to life than settling for the script that had been handed down to him, he took a two-month hiatus from life to couch surf and travel hack his way around the country. When he got back, the year of purpose was born along with his book, Life Rescripted, Find Your Purpose and Design, Your Dream Life Before the Curtains Close. So, guys, welcome Zephan. Hello, buddy. How are you? What's going on? Nice to be here with you. It's a new year, Zephan, and I have this feeling that this new year is going to be kind to you. I think it's going to be pretty solid. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. In fact, I just did a quick count to see uh, with all the travel hacking and stuff I've done for 2015, I flew 25 flights and the most expensive flight that I ever flew was $5.60. And that's just a, a 9-11 tax that most of the airports tack on. So uh, essentially 25 free flights around the entire country. Um, and there's only 50 states, so there aren't too many places left to go to inside the U.S. Okay, okay. I know your story, and that is amazing. <laughs> let's let's back it up and te- let's, let's show the viewers or tell the viewers a little bit about what's going on. So you went to college. Mm-hmm. Just like any normal person. Just graduated a little bit early, though, uh, one semester early. And you did videography, film? Yep. So my major was uh, media arts and design, and I had a concentration in digital video and cinema studies. So how do you go from college graduate with a background in film to filming on Netflix original series and going to the White House and having your stuff shown in stadiums? You make a lot of mistakes. (laughs) And I, I say that because I think that that's really the key to success is actually messing up. And most people are surprised to hear that. But I think the more you mess up, uh, the more, A, that you're not going to do the same thing again because you know what type of result you'll get. Uh, But B, I think the more you're going to grow and feel more comfortable with that uncomfortable space. 
so you just kept making mistakes. So were you trying? I mean, you didn't go off and graduate and say, hey, I'm going to be on Netflix. Was that your first thought or did you say, let me start small? My original dream actually was uh, I, I always said I was going to graduate and walk across that stage and just basically keep walking to the airport and get a one way ticket to L.A. I thought I was going to get a job at a, a video studio, you know, doing like post-production and editing work. And um, the funny thing is one of my my video partners from college who did a lot of projects with me, he pretty much did just that. He actually is the guy who sits at America's Funniest Home Videos and watches all the videos to decide which ones get through. And uh, I didn't go to California. I actually went straight home, uh, lived with my parents for a little bit. And uh, I started working for a marketing company that I found just two weeks out of college. Uh, there was a Craigslist posting online and I thought that I would just apply and see what happens. And uh, sure enough, got a job within like 72 hours of applying. So you get this job, you're doing film, you're doing stuff that I, I'm assuming you enjoy. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing video marketing. And basically, that was everything from creating videos that would sell access to our events and conferences for that company that I was in. And then we would also do a lot of video trainings that we we would go to DVD, you know, and sell the DVD sets and things like that. But something happened about a year to a year and a half in that totally caught me off guard. And I found myself without a job. Uh, yeah, well, the economy is rough. Yeah. And I think that it was really the economy was kind. Uh, they sold the company. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was rough for me, kind for, for a lot of other people. But yeah, they sold the company. And uh, one day some people walked in and said, you know, we're moving the company to Chicago and uh, you're not going with us. Oh, that's got to be rough. It, yeah. I mean, all, fresh all grad of a sudden, out of college. Yeah. And I actually kind of had this moment of, you know, I've never experienced this before. I don't know what to do you know they give you this thing you have to sign and I was like am I allowed to like have my lawyer look at it or something you know I had no clue what to do so you're out on the street well you're not out on the street but figuratively out on the street without a job is what do you do I mean did you take some time to kind of have a pity party you head straight to the bar and have some drinks with your old coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, we really kind of were all in shock because we knew this new company was coming in, but we thought that we were all staying. And so, uh, you know, we, we took a day or two for everybody to let it sink in. And I immediately applied for unemployment and actually spent, I think a good two or three months on unemployment where, uh, you know, I was collecting checks for all of a couple hundred bucks a week and just trying to freelance as much as I could because, you know, that was, I still had video gear, so I could do some video work myself. Uh, and I still had a lot of contacts from that company. So I tried to reach out to anyone that I could and got a few projects to at least hold me over until I got a job with Apple. That's when you were doing the Genius Bar. Yeah. So I was one of those iPhone, iPad, iPod technicians, those guys that you bring your stuff to when you drop it in the toilet or crack your screen or things like that. And uh, Apple was cool. You know, I always I had admired Steve Jobs for a long time. Uh, some people don't. You know, he definitely had a very interesting personality, to say the least. Uh, but I really admired what he had built, not necessarily um, who he was, per se, uh, personality wise, but more of like what he was capable of doing. Um, you know, and I think a, a big part of that is who he was. But I, I just admired being able to create that type of a culture. 
And I always had wanted to be a part of it. So when I got my, you know, blue T-shirt with the Apple logo on it and my black plastic rim glasses, I thought I was one of the cool kids, you know. And uh, the magic really just faded off after about six months. And I stayed only about another six months after that until one day I just decided that I had enough. Is that when you started your own company? Oh, yeah. So it it was... uh, it's kind of one of those moments where you can remember exactly how it went down, every little detail. But basically, we just we had a really bad customer come in, bad experience, yelling and screaming. They caused a huge scene. And while that was going down, one of my freelance clients that I had known from my previous company is in the store watching this happen. So, of course, I'm bright red after I realized that he's standing there watching this go down because, you know, here's something embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he pays me to be a professional and do work for him. And now he's like seeing me here in this situation. And, uh, he decided to take me out to dinner that night and had this really just solid discussion on, you know, why are you still here? How much are you making? What would it take to get you out on your own, just replacing the income that you have now? And I realized there wasn't a whole lot other than my own fear of just, you know, I haven't done this before. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I mean, if you haven't done it before, now is a better time than ever, because at some point in your life, if it's something that you're going to do, you might as well do it sooner than later. You know, it's kind of like nobody wants to go into the doctor to get their shots. But if you're trapped traveling to some foreign location and, you know, malaria is a huge deal over there, then you should get that figured out sooner rather than, you know, the week. <laughs> you should get that shot. Yeah. Because you're going to need it. So it, it really was one of those those things of like, you know, I guess sooner or later, I'm probably going to start a business. So I might as well just do it now. I still live at home. I've got not a whole lot to lose. I had been pretty smart. You know, I saved up a little bit of cash. I made this fund of $5,000 and I called it my, if I screw this up fund, you know, and I was like, I'm still living at home. Five grand will get me through probably like six months. Cause all I really need is just food and gas and maybe a little bit of entertainment. But, um, you know, so I, I was pretty careful about it, but five grand now would not get me through six months, you know? It, so it really, uh, looking back on it, I had taken a pretty steep risk. Yeah, but it paid off. Oh, it paid off tenfold. So I left my job at Apple in May of 2013. Uh, From May of 2013 when I started my business, which I had an LLC like a week later. So I was a registered company within like a week. Um, From May of 2013 to December, I made $15,000, which I was making roughly a $32,000 salary, so to speak, at Apple. So I had essentially replaced my income that I was making in that first six months. And then in 2014, uh, I went on to double that that 15000 to 30000 And then in 2015, I went to double that again from 30000 to 60, 60 plus. Uh, and so, you know, I've doubled every year for the last three years. And I think that that wouldn't have happened had I not taken that chance and taken that risk. And uh, I definitely don't live in my parents' house anymore. I just live in a house that they own, which ironically, I grew up in the house that I live in right now, but they own and rent it to me. So I actually pay rent now. So, and that's, that's the amazing thing is that you took this chance and everything thankfully worked out for you. But, you know, as many people have also felt, it could go the other way, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, looking back, if let's say, you know, I had taken that jump, I started a business and, 
I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but let's say I didn't know to the point where it was destructive and it was not working out. Um, you know, it really would have come down to knowing my limits and knowing when to stop. You know, it's kind of like back when you were in college, if you ever went out to a party and had alcohol, you had to know your limit of, of when you had to stop and when it was time to go home. Yeah. And I think the same thing applies for business is you have to know when you've reached your limit. Uh, we see this on Shark Tank, you know, all the time where the investors ask them, you know, how much money have you invested in this business? And they're like, oh, I'm $300,000 of my own money. And it's like, when did you decide that, like, you know, anything past the first, like, ten or 20000 might be a little risky? Right. You know, so I think <laughs> as long as you know when it's time to, you know, close the curtains, uh, turn off the lights and walk out in, into, you know, another place and try something else, I, I think that the risk is completely worth it to you. It's a matter of just knowing where your boundaries are. You know what? I think that's a great point you make because that's true for a lot of things. You know, for relationships, if you are the one putting all the effort into it, maybe you should rethink it. For people with jobs, if the job is wearing on you, how much beating do you take before you think, hey, let me try something different? Exactly. I, I think it applies to every scenario. Yeah. And, and learning your boundaries is also part of making those mistakes. You know, I learned where my boundaries were as a business owner then at that point, um, you know, with, with clients and, and where the, the client slash friend relationship starts and ends, you know, cause I do become friends with quite a few of my clients and, you know, it's different when your friends are paying you money for a service. And, and so there are a lot of new boundaries that come into play. And the only way you're going to get them is if you put yourself in a scenario where they're going to happen, you know? And so that goes back to, well, I might as well do it sooner than later. Now, do you ever think I should have done it earlier, like when you came straight out of college? Or do you think that the experiences you had were necessary to be had before you could do it? Yeah, I mean, I've totally looked back and said, you know, it, I'm not anti-college, but part of me has definitely wondered, you know, hey, mom and dad, my college tuition costs you like $25,000 a year and I spent three and a half years there. I wonder what it would have been like if you gave me $75,000 uh, before I went to college and said, you know, build something with this, if it would have been a better investment. And it's really hard to put my finger on it because part of me thinks that uh, many of the skills I learned in, in how to work with people came from college. And I would definitely attribute that a lot to the jobs that I held. Uh, my first job in college, I actually got let go from only about a month into the job. I went out to be a photographer for the school newspaper. I had never used a professional DSLR before, uh, knew nothing about it, only had a point and shoot. And, you know, basically was able to talk my way into the position and, and they gave it to me and, you know, went out, took some photos, had one or two that made the front cover of the paper. And then they're like, all right, you know, we, we have to let you go. And, and one reason was that I wasn't uh, ambitious enough to take on as many projects. I wasn't jumping at, at the chance to take certain stories. And the other one was that, you know, I just was inexperienced. And that really left a gap in, in my life that I wanted to fill because this was something I was going to school for that I wanted to master. And to feel like a failure so early on in college uh, it was so shocking to me that I switched gears a little bit. And uh, the next school year applied to become a graphic designer for uh, marketing at the recreation center on campus. 
and and got it right away. I mm-hmm. had Photoshop skills for a long time and it's like, okay, so, you know, I, I kind of took it step by step. I, I, I wouldn't call it a failure, but I was let go from the first job, moved into a job that better suited me where I had the skills for it. And then from there, I learned what it was like to move into a role uh, that I didn't necessarily have all the skills for, that I did have to learn, that I did have to pick up. Because a year into the graphic design position, I actually got promoted internally to become one of the supervisors of the whole entire center. I, at that point, had gone from this guy who sat in like a corner closet working this job making graphics for the building uh, that pretty much no one knew other than the people that swipe your card in at the front desk uh, to being the guy who was the head of 300 student staff members and one of the highest paid employees on campus. Uh, And not only that, but they gave us, you know, Red Cross first responder training and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, you were the direct link to the the fire department and police department when things went wrong. If people passed out or got injured, it was totally on your hands. And so I learned the right way to work my way into a role where, you know, I didn't know everything. And, And I think it really started with, you know, beginning with my skills that I had and then figuring out how to move your way up within the system. I mean, it's it's amazing that the number of different experiences you've had, and then you go and create your own company, and we haven't even gotten to the part about your travel hack. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, I promise. For everyone listening in, definitely stay tuned. It's coming up. So you start this new company, and I mean, your purpose, I believe, came after the travel hack life, right? Yeah, it was like part of it was around the same time. I was still learning and very new to it. Um, basically, you know, I worked at my video company from May of 2013 and until about August of 2014. So I've been in it just over a year going into my second year. And I really felt stuck. I was like, what is wrong with me? I have a successful business. I actually did it. I made it like what's going on. I'm not happy. Uh, I'm not appreciative or, or feeling grateful for, you know, what I've been gifted. And um, that led me to a bit of a spiritual retreat. I went on this guided trip with a group of people. And the funny thing was we're in the mountains of of the Berkshires uh, up outside of Boston in Massachusetts. And we're t- mid-conversation. And I've been thinking all day about, like, what is something that I've been avoiding for such a long time? And if you remember back when I went to college, I always said I was going to walk across that stage and go to California and never look back. Yep. I never did it. And it clicked. And right in the middle of the conversation, I turned to the person I was talking to and I said, I have to go to California. And she kind of had a moment where like it caught her off guard because we were mid talking about something else. But then it kind of like (laughs) you just randomly talk about California and you're Boston. You know, it happens, but like it clicked for her too, where she realized that this was like one of those. Uh, so my friend Rick Martinez, he calls them big bink moments, bink moments, B-I-N-K. Okay. And it's like this quick burst of like something just comes through and things click and fall into place. And I think she noticed that like I had come upon some realization that, you know, it just had to happen. And she ran with it. She's like, OK, why do you need to go to California? And I was like, I always said I was going to go and I never did it. I know I have to do this. And so that's where the travel hacking kind of came up was when I got back from that trip in September, um, I, I knew I wanted to go to California and 
being this still relatively new business owner, you know, I hadn't stored a ton of money away. I was still investing a lot of it in myself. I had just finished up an $11,000 business coaching program. So I didn't really have expendable money. But I had heard about travel hacking, saw some articles of people that have traveled the world for free or relatively cheap. And I'm like, there's got to be a way to do this. Like, you know, Google is at your fingertips. Let's let's start figuring this out. Um, and I first started to learn about how you can kind of play the the credit card rewards points game with Sky Miles. And there's certain ways to work the system so that if they say, you know, you need to spend a certain amount of money in a certain period of time, you actually don't necessarily have to spend your own money. And I know that sounds crazy and I know it sounds illegal and it's not. It's just a loophole uh, that people have figured out where they essentially charge up the money on the credit card to something much similar to a prepaid gift card. Mm -hmm. So you've hit this spending limit, right? And you now have that amount of money on a gift card. And then there's certain processes and things you go through to transfer that money from the gift card to pay off the bill of the credit card. So it's just going in one big loop. The money's never actually leaving your bank account. And so it's not as simple as just, oh, let me go buy a gift card. But it's a relatively easy process once you learn the whole thing. And I taught myself to do that just by reading stuff online, watching YouTube videos, you know, going to the blogs about it. And um, I had built up, I think, like it was somewhere around 100,000 Sky Miles within like a month. <laughs> and so <laughs> off I went. I got a plane ticket to California for uh, November 1st. And it turned into actually I, I changed it up a little bit. I went to Denver first instead. Um, so I switched my ticket around so I could meet up with some friends Ultimately, one of my friends in Denver was like, surprise, I'm going to go with you to California. So I got to spend some time with them in California. And then California, I went from uh, San Francisco. We spent like a week there. Then I went to L.A. while my friend went back home. And then I went from L.A. to Dallas, spent Thanksgiving in Dallas with one of my entrepreneurial friends, uh, actually from my business coaching group that I had just spent the last year with. She gave me a place to stay for a week and, uh, you know, got to spend Thanksgiving with their family and got home on Black Friday of 2014. So the day after Thanksgiving. Now, and that, that, that big trip, California yeah. initially was planned. But did you have D Dallas planned or were you just kind of going with the flow? I had none of it planned other than, you know, it, it started with the California ticket and it kind of molded itself as it went. Like once I told my friend, they were like, oh, you know, you should really stop in Denver on the way. It's like the halfway point. We'd really like to see you. And I had a bunch of friends out there and it just kind of made sense. I was like, well, why not? I mean, I'm taking this month off from my business and from my life. I might as well have fun doing it. Make the most of it. Yeah, you know, so it just it really unfolded as it went. And um, it didn't pay really a single cent for any of those flights. I, you know, stayed with friends and uh, between couch surfing and Airbnb, really, it was super cheap. Uh, I don't think I stayed in a hotel once while I was out there. And uh, that's a whole entire month. But my biggest fear was, hey, dude, you just took a month off from your business. Uh, hello, where's the money going to come from? <laughs> it, it's a valid point and a valid concern. And and it really is for for everyone. And, and part of me was like, wow, you know, I'm being reckless. I thought by the end of the month, I'd come back to nothing. And the craziest thing happened. So I took my laptop on the road and I had my iPhone with me. You know, I had Wi-Fi almost everywhere I went. And so I was still connected. And one of the things I realized was that, you know, I work in a business where 
you know, people don't just walk into my shop and the service happens right away, right? Like I plan a date and a time for someone and we do a video shoot and usually there's a lot of prep work before then, you know, there's a script and it goes back and forth or, or things like that. And so all I did was I said, look guys, you know, when work came in, I said, I'm on the road for about the next three or four weeks. I'm happy to like work on the script or whatever it is we're going to make right now. And then we'll film it the week that I get back. But until then, I, you know, I, I can work on whatever I can do from the road. Uh, if you have any editing, feel free. Like I have an internet connection. I can totally download videos. I just cannot physically be there to shoot video. Um, and that's where I kind of realized, oh my gosh, like I just set myself up so that I can book work while I'm on the road. And ultimately that led me to start a networking group where I could meet other videographers so that if I was on the road, I could send them out in my place. And that turned into a small Facebook group and went from essentially three of my buddies to now we're well over 250 people, uh, just videographers in my home state. That's amazing how that works out. I mean, and guys, uh, I'll link you to Zephan's YouTube video. He does talk about his travel hack. And so um, instead of having him recap it here and everything, I'll send you the YouTube link. Check the show notes. It's there. Um, Stefan, you, you tr- so that was, no wonder you only paid at most $5. Right. For all that, that, that experience, the networking, I mean, it's amazing how much value you got back from this small investment, this risk you took, actually, because you're a business owner. And I had actually booked about, I looked at it. I think the math was somewhere between about five and six thousand dollars of work that I booked and took payment for beforehand in that month that I was gone. So, and you know, if you do the math on that, you know, five six k times twelve, that that's a sixty thousand dollar a year salary. So I was essentially making just as much money as I would if I was home. I was just pre booking work for December. <laughs> Man, the concept of that. And I think, too, and this is important to note, if you, you know, a lot of people are buying the service because of you, right? So, like, a lot of these people were coming to me because I was the trusted person. They knew I did a good job. And if they really trust you and they really like your work, they will wait. Like, they won't complain. They won't say, oh, man, you can't do it tomorrow. Like, they they will wait for you. Right, which is a very good point about the selective clientele that you had. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that just kind of shows, you know, how it was built is it was built on, you know, high quality work, very, very good relationships with the clients, a very trusting relationship. And uh, it worked so well that I came home, I did the work for like a week or two, and, you know, completed everything I needed to. And on Christmas Eve, I left with my cousin, who's my roommate. And uh, we went on a, <laughs> we went on a 3000 mile in nine days road trip all along the east coast what <laughs> i you guys can't see my expression but imagine incredul incredulity however you pronounce it i'm just incredulous right now <laughs> three thousand miles in nine days on a road trip in the winter yeah on the east I, coast i had been hit so badly by the travel bug but i had used up a lot of those initial sky miles so it was like how can we get out of here and get somewhere warm? And how can I, you know, convince one of my friends that this is a good idea? (laughs) So that's what you do. You just go on a road trip. I mean, it it sounds like 2014, if you want a theme, it was travel. 
I, I think it was travel, but in a way where it was like learning how to travel. You know, I had flown to places before, but never like that. I, I had never traveled on my own or like without family or anything like that. So that was a totally new thing for me was was to, you know, even just navigating the airport on your own if you've never really flown that much. I'm actually at the point now where I know a lot of the the hubs and, and different places where flights go out of and, and timings and things like that because there's actually a pretty big pattern that most of the airports and, and airlines follow. And you start to learn the little, the little nuances and uh, places in the airport to take a good nap if you've got a long layover <laughs> or like which airports have free Wi-Fi and stuff like that. But yeah, we we left on um, Christmas Eve of 2014. It's crazy because it was just over a year ago. And um, we drove uh, from Baltimore. We got our Chinese food first because that was the only place open. And we went from Baltimore to Pittsburgh. And then throughout the rest of the trip, we basically did um, Pittsburgh to Columbus, Ohio, out to Indianapolis. And then we curved down through um, Nashville and Louisville down to Atlanta. Uh, our halfway point was Jacksonville, Florida. And then we just basically drove back up the coast. We spent New Year's Eve in Virginia Beach and uh, drove home on New Year's Day of 2015. I mean, that's that's really making the most of it. Because, you know, if, if you had, sad to say, if you had, as I'm, I'm saying it, if you had died on New Year's Day, would you have had any regrets with what you did? Absolutely not. Yeah. And and I'll tell you so. exactly why. Because on New Year's Eve, and this is probably one of the best memories I will ever have, um, my my cousin and I uh, went out to a party with, with my college roommate who lived down in Virginia Beach. And mind you, we have about $200 of illegal fireworks we bought back in Louisville in the car. And... We so we go to this party in someone's hotel room, and then we make our way out to this like random outside gathering in town center, that just magically has a foam party and and live concert going on, and so we find ourselves in the middle of this foam party, and then right before midnight hits at like eleven eleven thirty, we're like, all right guys, like we had these fireworks, let's just like go light them off and just have the best New Year's ever. It's freezing cold outside. Who cares? Like we're on this crazy trip. Let's just do this, and. Uh, we drive out to the middle of nowhere and my buddy makes a wrong turn and is like, guys, I think uh, I, I missed the turn. I'm going to turn around. And he accidentally drives us into like this muddy cornfield and gets his little car stuck. <laughs> so here we are on New Year's Eve. You can like hear fireworks going off in the distance. You know, it's midnight without even looking at your phone. We totally missed it. And here's three guys in this little like Ford Fusion car stuck <laughs> in the mud and, um, I call AAA eventually and they're like, oh, well, it's New Year's Eve. You know, it's going to take us like an hour to get out to you guys. So we're like, all right, I guess we're just kind of stuck here in the middle of this field at one o'clock in the morning. What are we going to do? In mud. Oh, well, hey, we've got $200 worth of illegal fireworks. Why don't we just light them off in this dude's backyard for entertainment while we're waiting on the tow truck? And sure enough, we like lit off all the fireworks. And once the tow truck got there, he like... He was wondering how we managed to do it. And it really was just, it was so dark. We had no clue where we were. And uh, I was like stepping on the little bottle rocket sticks that sit in the ground to like try and hide them because he's looking at her car trying to figure out like how to get it unstuck. And, you know, there's like a hundred bottle rocket little Surrounding metal it. sticks around the car. <laughs> so like it, these these experiences and, and not only like building this business, but also like generating these experiences for my life 
are stories that I'm going to be telling to my grandkids are stories that I will remember the rest of my life, you know, and I think that that's so important when it comes to chasing your dreams and, and chasing the life that you want is you, you really have to take every chance to, to allow these stories to happen, right? Like we didn't force any of that trip. All of it was just like stemmed from an idea like, Hey, what if we did this? And the response should just be, Hey, what if I do do that? You know, what if I do go out and do that? Not like, well, this could happen or what if, no, what if I just do it? And you know what? That's actually a good point because nothing of you, nothing of what you've said to this point and actually what you will continue to say, um, I'll foreshadow, uh, has been forced. You just kind of went with everything and went with your gut, honestly, and kind of went on faith that things would work out. A hundred percent. I mean, that, that's exactly where all of it stemmed from. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I think that we connected so quickly. And, you know, I met Zephan at the podcast movement where I met a number of wonderful people, but one, Zephan and I are from the same hometown, which we never realized and apparently <laughs> had to meet each other in Dallas for us or Fort Worth for us to kind of realize that. Uh, but you know, you live life without regret. And I love that about what you're doing. And, and it's it's so sad for me to see my friends or just other people around me not doing so because you can see the results of that. And I'm not trying to call people out and say that what they're doing is wrong, but I'm saying if you're looking for more, there's definitely a way to find more. And it's really just a matter of, you know, you've got to stop forcing your story and allowing your story to happen and uh actually the coolest thing uh you know coming up soon and i'm sure we'll talk about this in a moment is you know i've just launched a book called life rescripted but our t-shirt that uh we sold at the launch party says uh go out and let life surprise you and i think that's really the theme of really this that. whole talk and and all of you know the last year or two for me has been go out and let the story surprise you you know it, you never know what's going to pop up and it, you know you never know when you'll get stuck in a muddy ditch on new year's eve with a bunch of illegal fireworks <laughs> now b before before we get to the book though um the thing that that came next though was was your podcast yeah so the podcast the I had considered a podcast for a while. I had just gotten into it listening to guys like Tim Ferriss. And, you know, I had been tuning into Pat Flynn for a long time. I had followed his blog from like before he even had the podcast. And so I, I really loved the idea of a podcast and being a videographer by trade. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a bunch of mics. I had all the equipment, um, but I just I didn't know what I would do it about. And a lot of people don't really know where it stemmed from, but it was actually when I got home on New Year's Day, we had been kind of off the grid for a while. And so the first thing I did was jumped on a Facebook and one of the first articles to pop up in my news feed, I remember it was from my friend Chris and it said, uh, 2015 to be a year of purpose for many people. And I just really, it stuck in my mind, 2015 year of purpose. And I was like, this is exactly what I've been trying to do and what I've been looking for is, you know, I've been looking for this this purpose and this meaning. And instead of being that guy who sets a bunch of little tiny goals for the year and, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and work out and two weeks in the year they release, you know, House of Cards and you're already binge watching Netflix again. Mm -hmm. You know, I how can I be that guy who doesn't do that? 
And as a photographer and videographer, something I always learned was look at where everyone else is and do the opposite. So I said, okay, what if I flip this on its head? What if I make the year the goal? And as long as I wake up every morning dedicated to making this my best year yet, will I lead a successful life? And sure enough, 2015 was my best year yet, my most purposeful year yet. And I don't regret any decision or thing that I did in that year. It, I mean, you've had a very successful and productive uh, year, 2015. Not only did you do the podcast, um, but guys, Zevin put together a summit, a virtual summit, which had, what was it, like 30 people? 30 guests? Uh, 41. So originally it was going to be 21. And once people started to hear about it, they were like, oh my gosh, I want to be on it. So it wound up as 41 at the last minute. And it, tell everyone real quick uh, what it was about. Yeah, so we held the Life Rescripted Virtual Summit. And for no one that's been on a summit before, basically we brought together uh, 41 people that all talked on different aspects of whether it was life, business, uh, marketing, meditation, your body, your nutrition, your like every aspect of life. And we put them in one spot with all these online interviews, roughly 30 minutes in length. So we had over 20 hours worth of interviews and we gave it all away completely free. And it was just really to say, like, this is for you guys. We want to bring together as many of the most amazing people that you might not have ever heard of before. And maybe a couple that you have uh, to, to really make you a well-rounded person. And it was just such a cool experience. We had we had such a huge following that we built from that. And uh, I think it really goes to show how many people both wanted to support my cause, but also how many pe other people's causes I wanted to support. And it's actually interesting. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you found this as you were doing it. One thing I found when I was creating Chasing Dreams um, is that there are a lot of people who are very supportive of it, who want people to be doing this, who want people to succeed and want people to do well. And the support was just overwhelming. And I'm sure you found that same thing with the summit. Oh, yeah, 100%. We, we had people who I hadn't even imagined would answer my emails, you know. And it was just like we had, um, if you've ever heard of uh, Sean Stevenson, you know, yeah. the, the, the three-foot uh, giant. I think he just started a new thing called Three-Foot Chef or something like that. But, um, but his wife, um, Mindy Kniss, she was on our summit and, you know, never in, in my wildest dreams did I think that someone with such, you know, stature and just an amazing attitude and personality would be there and totally willing to, you know, sit with me for half an hour and just talk about life and, and how to lead a better life. Yeah. And sure enough, she was totally in. Um, she even recommended a couple other people that uh, actually have been bestselling authors and, and amazing speakers. So, uh that whole thing was just absolutely amazing. I think we also had, you know, Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm. Uh, we had Nick Unsworth from from Life on Fire. We had Kate Erickson from Entrepreneur on Fire. So, you know, anyone who's in the podcasting world or has followed other podcasts, He's a lot of those familiar names, with them. Yeah. you probably recognize. Yeah. And so is there, I mean, you've done all these things, the, the, the year of purpose, the summit, traveling, uh, you know, you've, you're still doing a number of different things. Was there anything in this year that you wish you had done that you're going to kind of hope to do maybe in 2016? Hmm. Well, definitely traveling internationally. You know, I covered almost all of the U.S. And 
I think that while that's very important and it was a great experience, I'm really ready to go take on the world now. I, I've been internationally before. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jamaica, to Haiti, um, to Mexico, to a couple other places. But, you know, I'm really I'm ready to see, you know, Europe and Southeast Asia. And, and I'd love to go to Australia. And even like, you know, even though it's within the U.S., Hawaii, you know, I, I haven't even been out that way. So there are so many places international that I'm so ready to see. And that's definitely going to be a big part of, of 2016. Uh, but also, you know, the book that I wrote kind of inspired me to write more. I had always hated writing. So I'm, I'm setting a goal to actually to write another book in 2016. And, uh, you know, this is, this is really going to be a huge year and I can't even imagine what's going to happen next. And, you know, now, now we have to talk about the book because <laughs> this is where you're at. And, and I am so excited for you. And we talked about this offline. This book is a big thing. It's a big deal. Now, did you always have this? Was this a, a life bucket list kind of item? Write a book? The I had thought it would be cool. I don't think it was ever something in the back of my mind of like, you know, this is my mission. I have to do this until mm -hmm. um, May of May of 2015. I went to a, a business building conference out in um, out in San Diego. And I was lucky enough to get a hot seat with the guy running the event in front of everyone where basically, you know, he, he sits you there and, and figures your business out and what you need to do next right in front of everyone. And I had totally stumped him. Like, I remember him asking me, like, so, so money is, you're not in it for the money? I'm like, no, I'm in it for the experience. <laughs> and he, like, he I like, saw what? the look on his face. He was like, oh, crap. Like, I don't know what to do. What do I do with that? And at one point, though, I had talked about like wanting to build this sort of, you know, I had been through the podcast for a few months already. So I was like, I want to build this brand out. And he recommended to write a book. And I had read a couple of his books. He had actually been an inspiration to me quitting my job and starting my business. I read his book right around the time when I did that. And um, we were just talking ideas for the book while I'm still on the hot seat. And uh, someone shouts out from the crowd. Actually, it was Susie Miller. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. She endorsed this book. And I don't know if she remembers that she was the one to say this. But but we were talking about, you know, sharing my life experiences, but tying it into being a videographer in, in the movies. And she said, what about, like, the rescripted life? And I really liked it. And it was, like, it, it was huge. It was on my brain the whole time I was there. And I ultimately flipped it around and just called it life rescripted because it just sounded a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And it really describes what I did was I remember specifically at one point in time sitting down and writing out like this is my life on paper. This is who I am in every aspect. And then I ripped those pages off and I said like this is who I'm going to be. And I wrote this whole new script of who I was going to be. And so that's a lot of where this book is based out of is that idea of, you know, figuring out who you really are right now when you strip away all the excess. And, and that's what I was learning when I was traveling um, around the country back in November of 2014 was I was learning who am I when I take everything away. And I, I was writing my own story on the spot. And so to be able to put this into a book format in an easy to understand and learn way that I think everyone can relate to is so huge. And I received a lot of praise from from tons of people that have read it already and just super stoked to to get that out to everybody. And it's actually on Amazon. So it's it's available for anyone and everyone to check out now. It's called Life Rescripted, Find Your Purpose and Design Your Dream Life Before the Curtains Close. And guys, the links to Zeffin's book are going to be in the show notes. So definitely 
check it out. Uh, it's out now, actually. It'll be on Amazon. You can find it there. And Zevin, the book, Life Rescripted, and from the cover page, you know, the title page you see, there's a movie theme from mm -hmm. it. Was that intentional? I had actually no idea that that was going to happen until after I got the book cover design. Um, I, I went through a program that taught me how to write because I'd never really been a good writer growing up. I actually was diagnosed with a learning disability growing up. So writing to me was actually a pretty tough thing. And one of the goals in our group that was coaching us through this was uh, once you have your title and your rough idea, you're actually going to get the cover designed before you even write the book. And I was like, you got to be kidding. Like, I, what if I don't like it? And yeah, I mean, that's it seems like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And so, I mean, sure enough, though, I, I went along with it. I kind of had faith and let the story rewrite itself as we went. And um, they had a, a list of a preferred vendor for the graphic design work. And I went with her. And the first design was pretty much what I went with. We made some like really tiny tweaks after that. But her design was, you know, this guy sitting in a movie theater with the curtains open and uh, he's like throwing popcorn up in the air. And it, it really just it struck home that, you know, I'm a videographer and my whole life it's all been about storytelling as if it were a movie. You know, I want to be able to make people feel what they feel when they come out of a movie, you know, whether it's a drama or a comedy or a romance, whatever it is. You know, as a videographer, I've loved to do that. But even in life, when I tell stories, you know, I, I want you to feel something. And by seeing that on the cover, I was like, you know what? This book has to be written in the process of going to a movie theater because it's so relatable. Everyone's done it. You know, we all know that screen that says, please silence your cell phone. We all know when they say concessions are available in the lobby. These are all chapter names in the book. And so it's something that's super easy to follow. And I think it's going to make sense to everybody. And it's it i think it's very relatable and i think you guys should definitely check it out it's it's worth the read and it's also worth sharing with people because zeffen's had that experience you know even though he didn't realize he was having that experience he went through it and this is a guy who is living life to the most and i think this is only the beginning honestly zeffen i think this is only the beginning for you I, I think it's a huge start to something because I, I don't think that you just sit there and rewrite your story and that's it. I, I think that, you know, every year, maybe even every month, you should get the chance to sit down and, and rewrite your story because what you might think is your purpose in life right now uh, might not be the same 5, 10, 20 years out. You know, I know that when when I have children in the future, like my purpose will not be the same as it is right now. You know, my purpose will be to be the best father that I can be. And right now that's not my purpose because, it, you know, I don't have kids, so it's not a, a priority at the time. But I think that um, the, having that freedom to rewrite the story as need be and having the right tools to know how to do that is is so crucial. And I think it's one of those skills where it's like, you know, same thing went for jumping into a business. It's either learn it now or learn it later, but you might as well learn it now. And one thing we talked about before, um, about how, I mean, you're doing so much, you could easily say, what motivates you to keep going? There, There's a ton of stuff that motivates me. I, I think that um, being able to see the change in the growth of myself, uh, being able to see the change in the growth in others. Um, I don't think it's about, you know, doing bigger or doing better or, or getting, 
you know, applause from the audience, so to speak. I, I don't think it's about uh, what anyone thinks about you, but I, you know, one thing I've always even said about myself is I'd be okay if I go to the grave with, you know, both of my knees and hips and shoulders replaced <laughs> because it means that I lived a well-lived life. I used my body to the fullest and, you know, I did everything that I could while I was here. And one thing that um, you had said offline is, you know, as you're doing all this stuff, that you don't think that, the, that you're done, that you're on the cusp of something. Can you, can you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah. So um, a big part of my life and, and something that I've shared in, you know, a few other interviews and we won't dive into the whole story here, but when I was 13, I, I almost decided to, well, I, I did decide, but I, I had decided to take my own life and I very fortunately didn't. Um, and I think that there are so many moments in our life where you can stop, you can walk out, you can give up, you can sell everything that you own, you can, you know, whatever it is, jump on a motorcycle and just drive away, whatever it is that you want to do, you can just give up and walk away. It's always an option for us. But I think knowing that on the other side of that, you know, if we don't do that, we could be on the cusp of something so huge that we can't even imagine what it is. I think that's really a big motivator, both for me and, and hopefully for everyone tuning in is, is knowing you could walk out right now or in like a day, a week, a month, a year, you know, you could be somewhere that you can't even think up because that's how extraordinary it is right now. You know, if you talk to me back on that night when I had decided to quit my job. I couldn't tell you that I would be invited to, you know, be a speaker at a podcasting conference. I can't tell you that I would have, uh, you know, written a book. I can't tell you that I would have started a podcast with, you know, 80 plus episodes and over 120 people interviewed and, and a summit and all these things. I can't tell you I would have built a successful business. But I can tell you that my decision to quit my job, my decision in knowing that I was on the cusp of something great and my decision to not walk away from an opportunity that was right in front of me mm -hmm. is 100% correlated to my success today and everything that's happened in between. That is awesome. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you've done to date. And I can only imagine, especially knowing how you are and who you are, what we're going to see in 2016. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe, you know, it's like, I, I have another year to do even crazier, even more exciting things. I mean, there's just, there's no clue. There's no telling what's going to happen. You know, who knows where I'll be on New Year's Eve. Maybe I'll be stuck in a ditch again. Maybe I won't, but at the end of the day, I'll know that if I'm stuck in that ditch, it's because I did, I just had the craziest year ever and I just felt like celebrating, you know? Yes, totally. And we're, and we're going to have to check back in on you and see where your dream is chasing is going. Yes. Please call me at like 1205 on New Year's Eve to make sure I'm still alive. <laughs> I, I'll send you a text and be like, hey, are you okay? You all Perfect. right? Are you there? Can, can, you, can you let me know? We'll, we'll boomerang that email now. <laughs> okay, so Evan, before we wrap up, you know, there's a thing we do, we, we kind of call it your corner, where we ask you, you know, what's one thing that you would recommend to a dream chaser? Something 
that they should do, whether it be read a book or take action or check up someone or a quote or a last piece of advice, what is one thing you would do? Yeah. So first of all, you know, with, with my book being out and being so available to everyone, whether you have a Kindle, whether you want the paperback, whatever it is, obviously check that on on Amazon if that resonates with you, only if it resonates with you. But a big message in that book, and this goes back to uh, my whole trip to California, was uh, this quote that was on Tumblr way back when, and I don't even think anyone knows who said it originally, but it was, hey, remember that thing that you said you were going to do before you got busy and, f- and you forgot? You should really go do it. And I think that's all it is. You know, that that trip to California, I forgot about it. I got busy. I let life get in the way and get busy and and get in my way of of turning into the person that that I was going to become anyway. And I think when you when you look back and remember whatever that thing is that you forgot to do, that's when your life's going to start to change. I love that. I love that. And I hope you guys can relate to that as well. And Use Zeppelin as an example and just start chasing your dreams, guys. Just keep doing it. Zeppelin, any last words for, for the people? Uh, I would say don't get caught on New Year's with illegal fireworks in your trunk stuck in a ditch. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, allow those stories to unfold. You know, allow those stories to happen. Don't keep trying to control every situation uh, in your life and how your life's going to play out, but give yourself and your life the opportunity to create that story. I can't say anything more than that. <laughs> Thank you, Zephan, for, for joining us and sharing your story. And man, what an awesome thing. All the best in 2016 and beyond, my friend. Yeah. And thank you so much for being a friend. You know, we randomly met at a breakfast that we like both weren't even supposed to be at, at the podcast conference back in Texas. And we're breakfast crashers. Yeah. And we're so fortunate that, you know, we got to meet back up in Philly a little while after that. So I can't wait to run into you again. And of course, it's always great talking to you. Big thanks again to Zephan for coming onto the show and sharing his dream chase story, which I learned a lot from that. And I hope you guys did as well. He's done some great things in the past few years, and I know we're only going to see even greater things in the years to come. So all the best, Zephan. And guys, you should connect with Zephan on social media and check out his new book, Life Rescripted, all of which you can find the links to on the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 22. That's episode 22. And guys, I just wanted to take a moment and wish you all a happy, happy new year. I hope that 2016 treats you well, and I hope that all of your dreams don't just stay dreams, but become a reality. And if you aren't chasing your dreams already, please start. It's a great time to do it. And if you already are, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.